You are now listening to the Green History Podcast, produced by Elm Film Studios and presented by AC the Historian. you're thinking how could all this be taking place in the blessed land of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam young man your generation has not lived long enough to remember how this entire story began nearly 100 years ago still history seldom fails to repeat herself and when she does Remember to take note, for we must always seek to understand its lessons. Anyway, what are you doing out here so late? Shouldn't a young man like yourself be in the masjid praying? Oh, so you're a tourist, are you? From America? Well then, welcome to Saudi Arabia. My name is Shahid. I'm a, well... Let's just say that I travel quite often. Do I know the history of this country? Does the river Nile have any water? <laughs> I know the history of this land like the back of my own hands. Yes, I can show you a thing or two if you'd like. Do you see that masjid across the road? That is Masjid Musafir. You can meet me there tomorrow morning. Straight after Fajr, I shall be waiting for you. Wa alaykum salam, young man. May Allah illuminate your face. We must begin our journey before sunrise. However, I must caution you not to stray away from my instructions and to never question my order during our journey. If you can agree to that, then we make amends on our trip. Otherwise, it is better for you to continue enjoying your stay here. Okay then, you must hold yourself accountable for your own actions. Let us go now. Young man, we are about to travel in time. Do not panic and do not question my direction. Be prepared to experience history for yourself. Now follow me as I enter this gate. Marhaban bikum ya sahibi. Ahlan wa sahlan. Welcome to the desert. We are in the year 1938. What you're witnessing before your very eyes is the exact spot where you and I witnessed the concert last night. 
we are in Riyadh. If you were to tell any of the people living here that their grandchildren would be publicly adulating Korean pop stars and rapping alongside American artists within two generations, they would never believe you. But such is life, things change and customs fade away eventually. The ancient Arabian region has always been known locally and internationally as the Hijaz. At least that was what we called it before the Al Saud clan conquered and ruled over it just a few years ago. Before that, well, we, we were governed by the Turks for centuries. They were not always model examples of what a true Islamic governing body should be, but they did honor the land and they did an outstanding job and service for the religion. Some of our local families here were even favored highly by the Turks due to their lineage and history in this land. Alas, all of that has changed in recent years. The Turks were defeated and banished by the British-backed Arab rebels and this land was subsequently claimed and renamed by the Al Saud clan. So technically the people are now Saudis and not Hijazis anymore. It's strange. Especially for the inhabitants of this very tribal region to have to identify themselves as the subjects of one family. But as time goes on, it will all become normal and they will even forget the ancient name of this land. How did this happen, you ask? Well, that's a very interesting question, young man. Let us just say that the British had an unsavory appetite for Arab land during the Great War. They were in fact very focused on destroying the Turks and uprooting them from their territories once and for all. This of course would result in several secret pacts with sympathetic Arab rebels here in the Hejaz but also in other key areas and locations such as Egypt, Syria, Palestine. In return for this, the British promised these ambitious Arabs domination of their own independent Arab states. You see the Turks were feared but not always respected by certain Arab tribes. Some considered them to be illegitimate leaders, usurpers, impostors because they were not Arabs nor were they seen to be concerned with the Arab plight. In fact the Turks had a very strong cultural influence and pride that even permeated administrative posts and ranks. So a few Arabs resented them for this. Of course there were other reasons but that may be something we can discuss over dinner sometime. Alright, let us go now. There's someone very important I must take you to meet. Have you ever been to the White House, young man? No, well, I thought so. Anyway, this is the King's Palace, the main one. Isn't this splendid? This is the palace of King Abdul Aziz ibn Saud. It was only built recently. 
the king is hosting a very important meeting with dignitaries from the United Kingdom this afternoon and we shall be in the company of high-ranking officials and foreign ministers. Be careful not to say anything when we enter the gathering. Follow my lead and certainly do not seek to ask any questions or make any remarks towards anyone unless I give you the sign that it's okay. This is not America, young man. Over here, the king is not to be mocked or offended. Understood? All right, let us enter. Do you see that tall and charismatic man sitting right in the center? That is the king himself. We shall follow the line of people greeting him very shortly. Remember, follow my lead. Do as I do and exactly as I do it. Ask no questions and make no remarks. Later on, we'll be mingling and interacting with the king's other guests. Remember the following etiquettes when introducing yourself to any one of them. Never ask about their female relatives directly, whether it is their wives or their daughters. It is considered rude to ask about a man's wife or daughters in this part of the world. Instead, you may simply ask about their family and their children. And when the servants provide any tea or coffee, you must drink at least one cup or more. It is considered impolite and improper to drink just one. When you finish drinking and cannot drink anymore, simply shake the cup to signal that you are satiated. Remember these etiquettes, young man. Well done. This is how we greet our leaders here. We shake hands and kiss their foreheads. It is also a great opportunity to seek favor with the king or to petition him for support on behalf of local families and tribes. If you look at the back over there, you'll see a group of elderly citizens. These are tribal leaders and representatives who are here to speak on behalf of their people. The Arabs do not practice democracy as per the Western model and they may never truly catch on to it as it is truly a foreign concept in this part of the world. Over here, the king and his entourage not only entertain the demands and complaints of tribal chiefs in person but they also invest in the relationships in order to maintain loyalty and trust. It has worked this way for generations and should not be changing anytime soon. Anyway, look over there, to the right. Do you see the elderly men sitting by the side of the king? Those are scholars, the king's religious advisors. Many of the most prominent among them are descendants of Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab. They are also known as Ali Sheikh the family of the sheikh effectively. They have a very prominent and influential position in the king's cabinet. They also represent the religious and political alliance between Muhammad ibn Saud and Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab back in 1744. 
that relationship has been preserved until now and their descendants still uphold the terms of that agreement. Scholars and Shuyur are very powerful supporting pillars for the king. They endorse his religious legitimacy over the throne. Without the sheikhs and the scholars, the king and his clan would lose much of their legitimate standing in this land. Likewise, without the patronage and endorsement of the king, the scholars and sheikhs would also lose a very significant pillar of support and protection in this land. Why do they need one another? That's a good question. Well, the thing is, your generation never truly understood, especially those of you who reside in the Western Hemisphere. There were many competing groups fighting for control in this land. Until very recently, in fact, had the Al Saud clan not succeeded in dominating the region, it is very likely that their closest adversaries, the Sharifs of Mecca, would have been on the throne today. The Sharif of Mecca was no fan of the Sauds. In fact, he and his clan considered the Saud to be unworthy and inconsiderable for the leadership of any region, let alone the whole nation. Still, the Sharif himself betrayed the Turks despite his family's long and illustrious history in Mecca. They were direct descendants of the Prophet Muhammad through Al-Hasan ibn Ali and Fatima. The Sharif and his clan were nobles amongst Muslims, both Arab and otherwise, and for this, the British wanted the Sharif and his clan to take over the Hejaz once the Turks were kicked out. A bunch of treacherous vipers, those Brits. They betrayed the Sharif and sided with the Al Saud shortly thereafter. Anyway, what I meant to say was, that the scholars and their interpretation of Islam could have been very, very different had the Al-Sharif clan been in power today. In the end, the British tried to console them for their deceptive acts by offering them leadership of Iraq, Kuwait and other minor Arab territories. However, the Saudis got the crown of Arabia, the Hejaz. You know, for a young American, you do ask some very intelligent questions. Never mind. We must get ready to go shortly. The king will be invoking his inner circle very soon. That was an experience. What was your impression of the king? Was he? Yes. I guess he has an awesome presence and for all the negative criticism he receives from many Muslims and Arabs, None can deny the fact that he is a tremendously capable leader. You know to rule over a region such as this one is not given just to anyone. The people are not easily subdued or governed and the endless tribal conflicts make it very challenging to maintain any semblance of peace and security. But King Abdul Aziz has achieved significant feats already. His career has been somewhat aspirational dare I say inspirational. He was actually born in Riyadh in 1875 and started off as a desert general. He and his clan originated from Najd, yes. I'm sure you've heard a lot about the Najd region and its inhabitants. But try to keep an open mind. Interpretations are subject to bias and distortions. 
the Al Saud clan have had a very interesting past. That much I will tell you. However, they had recently been on a military campaign to seize and control many regions here in the Hejaz, which they went on to consolidate and unite under the banner of a single state in what was perceived by many to have been an Arab Islamic state, which would be independent of Turkish governance. Anyway, these conquests came with a bloody series of tribal raids beginning in 1901, when Abdul Aziz and some relatives, including his half-brother Muhammad and many other cousins, set out on a raiding expedition into the Najd. They targeted mainly the tribes associated with the Rashidis. The group made a camp in the Yabrin oasis during the month of Ramadan in 1902. Abdul Aziz ibn Saud masterminded a plan to attack Riyadh and to retake it from the Al Rashid clan. On the night of January 15, 1902, he led 40 men over the walls of the city on tilted palm trees and took over the city. The Rashidi governor of the city, Ajlan, was killed in front of his own fortress. The Saudi recapture of this city marked the beginning of the third Saudi state, founded and led by the young and formidable Abdul Aziz ibn Saud. Ironically, one of the leading members of the Rashidi clan was also named Abdul Aziz, and in 1904, he sought support from the Turks to fight against the Al Saud clan. Abdul Aziz ibn Saud resorted to guerrilla warfare against the Ottomans and managed to severely disrupt their supply routes. Within two years, the Al Saud clan had totally dominated and were victorious against the Rashidi clan. Abdul Aziz ibn Rashid was killed in battle. Well, there's quite a lot of background history into the feud between the Al Saud and the Rashid clan. You see, the Al Saud clan had many rivals, but the greatest rival was the Rashidi clan. They had captured key regions and drove the Al Saud clan into exile for a number of years. At this time, Abdul Aziz was a teenager. He and his family initially took refuge with a Bedouin tribe in the southern desert region. They were known as the Al Murrah. That lasted a short time before the Al Saud immigrated to Qatar, of all places, where they were hosted for two months before moving into Bahrain. Again, they only stayed momentarily before relocating once more. Their final destination was Kuwait. The Al Saud stayed in Kuwait for nearly a decade. Isn't it funny how things have turned around between the Al Saud and their past host nations? Young man, having a comprehensive understanding of history is of paramount importance. Anyway, Abdul Aziz 
conquered and dominated over the Rashidis, and this rekindled the morale of his clan and settled a long-lasting thirst for revenge. Over the next two years, he and his forces recaptured almost half of the Najd from the Rashidis, rendering them virtually powerless. Over the following ten years, Abdul Aziz and his explosive military conquest and dominance over the Najd region set Arabia alight and made this land a hotbed of uprisings, raids and rebellions. People often forget to mention that the Sharif of Mecca and his family were perhaps the most destructive and menacing force in this region, at least during those days. There were also other clans, but none was as significant as the Al Saud. Why were they so influential in this region? Well, it's very complicated. Let me tell you a story of how it all began. Let's do that later on this evening. We must make our way to the Masjid for Maghrib. It's almost time to pray now. Assalamu alaikum, young man. We must prepare to get back now. We only have an hour in this time zone and we must not miss the window of opportunity. It's not like we want to be stuck in history now, is it? <laughs> ah yes, thank you for reminding me. You wanted to know why the Al Saud clan was so influential and successful in this region, right? Well, like I said earlier, the truth is not always easy to digest, but it is best to accept it as it is. Let me put it this way. You are from America, right? Yes. So you must know that America was founded by a very religious and peculiar group of people whom we refer to as the Pilgrims or the Founding Fathers. Yes. Well, Saudi Arabia was also founded by its own Founding Fathers. But when the mission was complete and the leadership was handed over to the Al Saud clan, the true Founding Fathers of Saudi Arabia were then pushed back into obscurity, with some fringe factions having been totally eliminated by the king. It's a very difficult chapter in the history of Saudi Arabia, and we do not have sufficient time to delve into that. I promise to tell you the full story on our next journey. I know, I know, but you'll just have to wait, my friend. Good things come to those who remain so patient. I've shown you quite a bit today. It's time for us to go. Follow me. Here we are, back to modern Saudi Arabia. I trust that you will be able to keep our journey a secret. Right. Then you can meet me where you met me this morning in exactly a week's time. Do not bring anyone else and do not be late. We shall be visiting the founding fathers of Saudi Arabia. Ma'asalama. <laughs> <laughs>